If you have your Bibles with you, could you turn to John chapter 4? John chapter 4. The last time I was speaking in here, it was, um, we went fishing, right? I was speaking in Peter <coughs> in the big catch of fish and how Jesus basically showed them how to fish showed trained fishermen how to fish but he was showing them how to fish for men <coughs> I'm tired this wee sermon God's bait that might sound ridiculous but I remember one time um, I was a young Christian and uh, the wee group I was in the church I was in wanted to do an outreach in one hall which is my local scheme and they wanted to do it in the community centre in my local scheme and I'm only about nine months saved and I've just got out of the kind of rocky persecution time as a traitor and a turncoat and all the rest of the stuff and uh, and his wisdom my shepherd put my name in a local advertiser that I was the speaker going to share my testimony and um, and the amazing thing is I didn't get rubbed for my own scheme what I did get rubbed was for supposedly mature Christians who get jealous they jumped up no nothing like me just off the street but my name was in the paper and I remember having a conversation with this guy who took umbrage against me and I hadn't done anything wrong to him and, uh, but I'd been reading the scriptures and the scripture says that um, you know when you come to the altar with your gift and you find out there you've got, uh, your brother has something against you first leave your gift then go and get it sorted with your brother and then come back and offer your gift I think it's Matthew 5 well I just took the Bible literally and this happened and I had to go and humble myself before this guy to get myself right even though I hadn't done anything wrong and I'd argued that about it with God and then I went to him and I humbled myself and and uh, I remember his wife coming in with some apple pie and she says, is that spoon big enough? <laughs> she knew what I was doing. Anyway, I floated out the guy's garden and uh, I'd go right with God and i try to explain myself that I wasn't even put my name in the paper and stuff like that. <clears throat> but I wasn't too chuffed that the guy put my name in the paper because I wasn't aware of it. So I went to him and I says, look, my shepherd, I says, what's the script? I'm getting grief here for the scheme because you put my name in the paper. And he says, look, we're going fishing and you're the bait. He says, can you handle being a worm? I said, well, just need to be there, won't I? You're just used for God's bait. Can I tell you the night that I was supposed to speak? I'd prayed my face off and I was terrified because I was going to have to... F- um, I told a lot of people knew about it and there were people coming and... I was walking towards the community centre and my bottle crashed <clears throat> and I kept walking on you know God always brings somebody doesn't he, the, the, the hounds of heaven they caught well his name's Tommy Proctor, he drove by in his car and he seen me walking by the cross where I was supposed to go right and I kept walking where are you going? <laughs> put me in the car, took me around the beach bank, prayed for me and I went in I went round the back and I said to all my mates, they were all drinking it was a Friday night, they were all drinking round the back of the community centre and uh, I says, look, I'm going in there to tell my story. Warts and all. He's why you come in and listen to me. Now we're all drinking. 
So I went into the beach bank community centre, get two, two bin bags off the caretaker, and I felt that pen. And I gave all the boys the felt that pen, they all wrote their name on their bottle of wine. I put all their wine into two, two bin bags, that's just true, put them into two bin bags and came in. And there must have been about 25 to 30 of them. And they all came in to hear me lying. So they thought, Babbing in, I bared my soul that night, and God worked. God worked wonders. Because he just used me as a bit of bait. And all I had was my testimony to open my mouth. And this wee bit of scripture, I see it all in there. <clears throat> so John, chapter 1. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptising more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock Jesus answered everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst indeed the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life the woman said to him sir Give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, which is called the Christ, is coming. 
when he comes he will explain everything to us then Jesus declared I the one speaking to you I am he the disciples rejoined Jesus again <coughs> set the scene again <coughs> Jesus is on his way back to Galilee he has to pass through Samaria he didn't go the long way route the long route which most Jews would take most pious Jews wouldn't set foot in Samaria sinful place so they would do the long route walk round about Samaria but Jesus doesn't have this bias he walks the short route through the mountains and he comes to Jacob's well and he's tired and he's with disciples and they decide to go into the town to buy some food so Jesus sits on the well the well is just a normal hole in the ground maybe a wee wall around it and it's got a big capstone in it capstone's basically a big stone donut it sits on the well maybe about 20 inches thick and about 5 feet wide with a hole in the middle of it <coughs> where your bucket would go down and you would draw wet water and the reason obviously for this is any dirt blowing into the well to try and keep the water clean so it was a practical thing keep the dirt out keep the rains from falling into it and Jesus could use it as a seat the travellers would come and they would draw the water and they would fill it into their jars or, or their travel bags the leather bags that they would use to carry water um, and it would be a good wee work top to kind of do that kind of stuff so Jesus is alone and he's sitting at the well and it's noon it's at the hottest part of the day and he's thirsty you know when you read the Gospel of John it's different from the other three Gospels because it's more about Jesus' divinity it's a kind of high place to put Jesus on a spiritual Gospel more about the Holy Spirit and Jesus being in that in a highway but here we see Jesus as a human being, he's thirsty he's been walking and he's on his own you know, in Middle Eastern culture, <clears throat> to get the meaning of this, you really need to do a wee bit of study on the Middle Eastern culture, um, because it, it just brings it to life. Now, this woman comes to the well in the hottest part of the day. Why did she come at that time of day? Is it because she was an outcast? You see, the most women came to the well in the morning or at sundown. When the, when the sun was at its lowest and uh, it was a lot cooler and they would go in groups because the big water jugs were heavy and they would help one another put on each other's head and stuff like that they would help one another it was a communal thing and they always went in groups but this woman's on her own which in that culture is quite shameful to be out on her own and she's went in the, the heat of the day is that because they're past? She's an outcast. She doesn't want to meet anybody. She doesn't want any persecution. Or maybe because they're past, she did go to the well on her own. 
Maybe she met strange travellers, men. We hear about it later on that she had five husbands, and the man she's with isn't, isn't her husband. So maybe she had a wee bit of her past. And she's went on her own. And she's took the flak. And now has to go on her own. Putting herself in danger. There's another small detail. <clears throat> Middle Eastern wells don't have buckets attached to them. When I see Jesus, he's sitting there with no bucket. He's got nothing to draw. Water for No, his disciples must have had buckets. Buckets basically was a leather, soft leather pouch. And what they did was they put two sticks in the mouth of it, wee bit of rope, and lowered it down and they could draw. And the wee sticks kept opening up. And then they just put it back, wrapped it up when they were finished with it. Travelling. The disciples must have had buckets, but Jesus never asked them for one. Why? Why did they not ask for one? Because Jesus had a plan. And you know Jesus' plans in the detail. He sees the big picture, but he, he works in the detail all the time. God uses everything. You know, even a disability can be a way of allowing God's ability to work through us. God's in control. There's no mistakes. What God's seen as a hindrance, what I've seen as a hindrance and a nuisance, a time-consuming nuisance, God uses it for me to see the detail. Jesus never had a bag. He never had a bucket. And it needs the tiniest of details in order for his plan to work. Remember the last time we preached on uh, Jesus asked Peter for help? He was in the boat. He jumped into Peter's boat and he asked him for help. He asked him to row out a wee bit and basically so he could use his boat as a pulpit. But he needed the skills of Peter to keep that boat steady while he preached to the crowd in the, in the shoreline. <coughs> well, here he's again. He's thirsty. And he asks this woman for a drink. He asks for help. See, Jesus is going fishing again. But this time he's teaching us how to fish, not the disciples. He's got the bait on the hook and he's going to cast. He's going to cast into the water, watch. Neat study the master on how he, how he fishes, incredible. Again, if you study mid, mid, middle, middle Eastern culture, <coughs> you'll find that this simple request, Jesus bursts a mountain of taboo, religious taboos and barriers here, with one single request. He sends short waves, ripples in the water, this woman knew when he opened his mouth to her what was happening. You see, the woman knows the culture. She knows the circumstance. Verse 9 says this. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan. A Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. She knew the sectarian divide here. And all the cultural no-nos. But guess what? She's now entered into dialogue with the master fisherman. He asked for a simple request. Give me a drink. He asked for a drink of water. He's reaching out and he's talking about temporal things. 
temporal earthly things. But now he starts to speak of eternal things. But he uses the water to describe the Holy Spirit's eternal life-giving waters. You see, if you know a fish and you know a thing called legend, which you use a weight, and the weight's at the bottom of the hook and you fish at the bottom. We spoke about that. We spoke about how you fish by nets. I'm going to teach you another way that we fish and try how you spin. Basically, you get a lure. Something that might look pathetically look like a fish. And you throw it into the water and you start spinning and you start bringing it in. And as it comes in, it moves like that, and it gives off the impression that it's a, it's a fish, a fish in distress. There's something wrong with it, and other fish go to grab it. <coughs> See, it's a weak thing. So this is what Jesus is using this thing. He's using a lure. He's fishing, he's spinning. Verse 10 says this. Jesus asked, answered to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asked you for a drink, you would ask him, and he would have given you living water. She's talking about the spiritual again. But she's still thinking the physical. But he's got her attention now. You see, when you're spinning, you just keep bringing it in and throwing it back out again. And if you see something moving in the water, you try and go beyond it and bring it in by it. You try and, uh, the, the trick is to bring it in by its nose. And if you can get that the fish might bite and then you've got a strike and you're in this is what he's doing he's casting he's fishing now he's reversed it he's saying that he would give her a drink I would give you living water so she's no hooked yet but she's had a wee nibble a wee bite she's biting at the bait the bait's a living water She's attentive now. There's something she can get that appeals to her. Verse 11 says this, Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. She's noticed he's not got a bucket. He's been sitting in the well with no bucket. He's going to die of thirst unless somebody gives him a drink. And how can he give her a drink? If he's no bucket. You see the detail with no having a bucket. Jesus is saying, I can give you a drink, but the drink I give you is living water. But she's thinking the physical, there's no bucket. Sir, you, sir, the woman asks, you have nothing to draw and the well is deep. Again, look at the detail. The detail within the plan. He chose not to have a bucket. She's definitely biting now. Where can I get this living water? Verse 13 says this. 14. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become to them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus spells it out to her. He's speaking about heavenly, eternal stuff. And he's speaking it plainly. Surely he must have her now. She's going to bite now. The lure's right by her nose. All she needs to do is bite. Verse 15 says this. 
woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and have to come here to draw water. She's still in the, she's still in the physical, still in the natural, still thinking about herself, which she can get out of this. She's no biting. She's still thinking about it though. She's here a wee nibble. The Lord cast for the last time. Verse 16. Go call your husband and come back. That must have sent the shockwave through that woman. Who's this total stranger asking me about my personal stuff? But she answers them. I have no husband. You are right, Jesus says, when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have not you are with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. <coughs> Jesus speaks right into her life. This man doesn't know her for Adam, but he knows her deepest secrets and he's right inside her life. Now he's got his, now he's got her attention. Now she's hooked. Now he's going to reel her in. Remember we're talking about fishing here. How the master does it. I <coughs> <coughs> brought up charismatic churches. And um, I was used to hearing all the gifts and stuff like that. I don't believe a lot of the theology. Because a lot of it's abused. I still believe in the gifts of the spirit. And I pray for them. I'm a practical guy. See, I do outreach. And I speak to people. And one of the main ministries in the, with the well, <clears throat> a few years ago was a meal. And we'd sit down with guys and we'd have something to eat with them. There'd be a wee time of ministry after it. But we'd sit, the main ministry was sitting, having a meal with somebody when they're relaxed. And just listen to them. And having an ear to listen to them. And listen to their problems and where they're at in life. And I always used to pray for this word of knowledge. Because this is what Jesus has done. Jesus got a word of knowledge straight from heaven, speaking right into this lady's heart. And knew something about her. Sitting having a meal with somebody and speaking in tongues isn't going to help me or anybody else. Apart from them thinking of my head case. And a lot of the other gifts weren't any use to me. But I pray for this word of knowledge. And I remember listening to this guy and he starts telling me about medication he's on and how much money he owes to drug dealers and his situation in the house and no electricity. And at the start I just thought, oh well, here we go. The well stroke social work department. He's looking for a he's looking for a bung. And I'm a wee bit confused because the guy's pouring his heart out to me and I asked God, God please tell me give me something give me a word of knowledge, give me something for this guy something scary happening here and I believe God said to me he's going to kill himself tonight so I'm sitting talking to this guy at dinner and I said to him <clears throat> do you know mate it doesn't need to be like this you don't need to take your life tonight and this guy froze and stared at me in silence God was right, he spoke right into the guy's life. Who told you I was going to kill myself? 
I didn't want to get into it. I just says, well, look, mate, you're adding up all your... You're adding up all your medication here and everything. I says, you're going to have a party tonight and just take a lot together. And I went, aye. He says, all I've got is waiting drug dealers kicking my door in and doing it for me, so I'm just going to do it myself. And I said, it doesn't need to be like that. Anyway, that day he gave his life to Jesus and I never seen him again. I don't know what happened to him. But he was real. He gave his life to the Lord. And you know, sometimes... Oh, I'm dead practical anyway. If God can give me something for somebody else that's supernatural, that's going to save the guy's life, then then I, I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and I believe this is what happened. And this has got this woman's attention now. Jesus got this woman's attention, full attention. Because she starts getting all spiritual. She's freaked a wee bit. She's thinking spiritual now and she calls Jesus a prophet for speaking right into her life. She knows this man's for God. But isn't it always the case when you talk the truth of God's word into somebody's life, they go into defensive? They start defending their religion and their background and their culture. I know because I've done it. People get their hackles up. You're in a defensive mode. And they let you know all about their religion. And how right they are. Well, this is what this woman did. See, the Samaritans were a pagan sect that grew out of the tribes of Manasseh and Ephraim. It was after the deportation in uh, 723 BC. It was, they, they took any... Um, Exile in Assyria. So this woman was right when she says it was her father, Jacob's well. Because Jacob was her father, because the tribe of Samaria came out of, the Samaritans came out of the sons of Jacob, Manasseh and Ephraim. So she was right in what she was saying. But see, then the Samaritans invented a brand new alternate religion where they chose Mount Gerizim as their holy mountain in direct opposition to Jerusalem. This action was a continuation of King Jeroboam's policy of separating the ten northern tribes for the one true God of Jerusalem. You see, the sin of Jeroboam was adultery. You see, the, the worship of idols. He set up a temple, a golden calf in Bethany, and he also set one up in Dan, in the north. Bethany was in the south, Dan was in the north and he set up these big temples with golden calves and he get people to worship them rather than go to Jerusalem in fact his famous quote was this it's too far for you to go to Jerusalem worship at Bethel or Dan that was his famous quote Samaritans then are then are married with the pagans <clears throat> which was a point of contention between them and the pure-blooded Jews that continued down, right down to the women at the well. The Samaritans therefore represented all the worst of the Jews and that they opposed God's choice of David, Jerusalem, and they polluted their bloodlines, which forever disqualified them from producing the Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
Verse 21 says this. Jesus replies to the woman about her wee religious Bible study or defensive mode. Woman, believe me, a time is coming when, when you will worship the Father, neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come that the true worshippers will worship the Father in the, in the Spirit and in truth, for they are, kind of, they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and his worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. See, Jesus starts to speak about the Holy Spirit and how believers need to be born of the Spirit. They need to worship in the Spirit. They need to be born again of the Spirit. And not what religion or cultural background, anything that you think qualifies you to be able to worship God, but only in the Spirit. You see, you need to read the Bible in context. This is chapter 4 of John. In chapter 3, we hear the famous verses in chapter 3. You know the man Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, the Pharisee, the educated religious guy. He goes and sneaks away and sees Jesus at night because he doesn't want his peers to see him. And he knows Jesus is for God. And he starts quizzing him. And Jesus tells him he needs to be born again. And he, he's thinking in the flesh, and how can I go back inside my mum's womb? And he's not getting it. <coughs> But Jesus said to him, I have spoken to you of earthly, th earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you about heavenly things? Jesus always speaks in the natural. The earthly things, and he speaks in the heavenly things. But this was an educated man. And he knew that that was blinding him, his religion was blinding him with the truth. And he was telling him he needed to be born again of God's spirit. And again, and this, this is what Jesus is saying. God is seeking worshippers who worship in the spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, which is called the Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. You see, like the Samaritans and the Orthodox Jews today and the Jewish believers today, they're still waiting for the Messiah coming. And he's going to explain everything. When she got out of bed that morning, probably late, and then went for a drink, went to fill her jar up, I think this was probably the last thing she was going to hear. Then Jesus declared, I, the one who's speaking to you, I am he. Incredible. The Messiah, I will, speaking to a Samaritan. Mind blown. Jesus has used his bait, his lure. He's cast in a few times, but he's now hooked his fish and he's landed the net. He's landed her in the net and he brings the fish in, caught. The tiniest detail. He never had a bucket. In fishing terms, to catch this woman, 
whom Jesus in turn would use this woman as bait as well to catch a town full of fish for the smallest detail to the biggest picture the biggest outcome verse 28 says this then leaving her water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people in fact I'll just read for 27 verse 27 and just as the disciples had returned they were surprised to find him talking to a woman you see the culture come through again a woman shouldn't be talking to a man especially on her own not in this culture especially not a Samaritan woman even his disciples had the hackles up but no one asked they were all too scared what do you want or why are you talking to her nobody opened their mouth then the woman then leaving her water jar the woman went back to the town and said to the people one of the best verses in the Bible come see a man who told me everything I ever did could this be the Messiah they came out of the town and they made their way towards him like Peter before when he laid down his net and he became a fisher of men to tell people about Jesus this woman left her water jar and what bait did she have this woman she uses her testimony so she has come see a man he told me everything I ever did could this be the Messiah she's not fully sure yet but she's using her testimony this man spoke into my life and he's told me he's the Messiah and what she does is she's the lure that draws them all out of town Jesus is still standing at the well and they all come out of town to come and see him so Jesus has used her as a lure and she would draw them into this big net that Jesus had they came out of the town and they walked towards her they made their way towards him he's probably still sitting at the well did they get that drink? doesn't he say? doesn't say she left her jar maybe she did draw some water maybe he's sitting having a wee, wee glass of water chilling out and she's away getting them and bringing them in and he knows the end story he knows the big picture here maybe he didn't get a drink he goes something better they begged him to stay stay with me stay with us and for two days they gave him hospitality and he spent time with him and he spoke God's word to him and this is brilliant it says this they said to the woman but we do not know <coughs> hold on now. they said to the woman we no longer believe just because of what you said now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world now there's a believer that knows the truth not because what this woman says because they've heard it for themselves. Jesus is teaching us how to fish 
Here's whatever you've got. Whether it's your own testimony, your own experience. But if you know God, use everything you have. Paul says, <clears throat> I become all things to all men so that I can win some. Anything. All this woman had was her testimony. And she used it. Could this be the Messiah? Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And when they came, they came under God's word and they believed. That's evangelism. They have been drawn in to hear the word of God for themselves and they are true, true believers in Christ. I think we'll move on for fishing, or will we? <laughs> the next time. But that's how the master fishes. He came without a bucket and he left with a full town of believers. Amen.